Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirsch-Poole. We are coming a day later than normal. AKP, you want to tell us what happened here? What's going on? It, yep, this was, this was all my fault. I uh, had a bit of a recording snafu. Well, and I had a, a, a thing happening on Monday, so it's... It's all been happening in the Kirschpool household. Um, only some of it is my fault. All good. I just like giving you a hard time. Appreciate everyone holding out a little bit longer to hear our breakdown of what was that Houston game. But first, AKP, exciting news in the Old Glory DC um, front office or ownership group. Some new uh, ownership, I guess some new members added to the ownership group. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, exciting news. Seems like there's we've got three new owners, minority owners of Old Glory. We've got a finance guy who um, I was looking at him up. He's from he spent some time in Ar- Argentina. I think we've got an at Deutsche Bank, just like our good friend Marcelo Blanco. So I I imagine that's where he came from. We've got. We're talking about Pablo Calderini. Pablo Calderini, how you yeah. pronounce it. Okay. And then we've got um, Paxton Baker, who, the who's a minority owner in a bunch of DC sports. He really has a thing for DC sports and especially niche DC sports. He's got the Washington Nationals, um, the Washington Spirit, the NWSL team, and then the. Um, the castles the professional tennis team and then to completely bury the lead the most exciting new owner is um (laughs) verdine white who was a founding member of earth wind and fire whoa how about that cool and he has less of an obvious connection to dc um i think he's from chicago originally but he's uh friends with with Paxton Baker and, and it seems like that's that's how he got he got pulled into the, to all this. Exciting names, right? Like in particularly in this in this market, you got to have a, a diverse ownership group. So that's really cool, right, to bring in new fans and with with the the entertainment and the capital markets and the and the niche sport experience that all three bring to the table, all exciting things and look AKP, we were joking around in text messages, but the first song they need to play during the hydration break at the home (laughs) game (laughs) against Atlanta has to be an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. I mean, right? Like, come on. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future uh, there's an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert after the game. That would be great. Wouldn't that be something else? Yeah. I mean, but overall, like, all of these guys are bringing in experience and bringing connections and stuff that's going to be valuable like i mean obviously they're minority owners obviously they're bringing some money to the table too and that that's cool and you know that might be part of the the, this might be um if old glory is planning on building a stadium somewhere in the in the beltway um you know bringing in new money could be part of that but they also just have have experience and connections. I mean, um, Paxton Baker, like uh, we mentioned his, his ownership of minority sport or like minority ownership of various sports teams, but he also 
was president of um, event planning, basically, for BET. And he's put on a ton of concerts and arranged festivals and stuff like that. So he's he's got a lot of events experience. And if Old Glory wants to sort of chase that, that New England style of, like, festival atmosphere at games and stuff like that, it his his expertise there, his connections could be very useful and um even if he just comes in and gives some advice that could that could make a big difference so um exciting news yeah you bring up a really good point about uh, uh paxton baker's background particularly on the event side and you know new england's a good model in mlr um you know but they're not they're not doing anything that other clubs aren't doing and should be doing they're just they're having success with it first which is great to see and other clubs can can take a look at it and tweak it to their circumstance but i agree i think if there's one area where ogilvy can really elevate the experience it is that concert that festival atmosphere and a lot of maybe they may be hamstrung by the location where they are and how much room they have and you know other things that we may not be aware of what's going on in the segra field but that's certainly an aspect that can be elevated. And, and if he can just come in with a couple of things like, hey, try this, let's do this, get more people in, create more of that atmosphere, that festival, that good time to draw in a casual fan, that's all great things um, for Old Glory. So exciting yeah. news. And, hey, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, look, Old Glory DC is literally moving Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> to be successful. It was, a, it was a terrible pun. Please don't laugh. Oh, I love a terrible pun. Let's talk a little bit about that that Houston game. And, you know, first of all, we saw what happened, right? Um, Old Glory went down to Houston, lost 31-7 to in round 17 there. When we talked last episode, we went back and forth on, you know, what Old Glory should do to plan for this game. Should they put out a, you know, a strong starting 15 to get what we thought would be two, at least two, valuable table points at the offering, right? Scoring four tries and keeping it close. But then they released a very interesting starting 15, AKP. What were your immediate thoughts when you yeah, went and saw it's that? It's a frankly crazy lineup that they put out. Just just absolutely wild. It's It was basically the least experienced lineup they could have put out. Um, I think the, the starters had an average of less than four starts each this season. Um, and that was buoyed up by a few keep like Tavita Nangali and Tito Diaz Bonilla and like so there were like a few experienced guys in there, a bunch of guys who were not, you know, maybe had come off the bench but but hadn't really started all season. Um and Koi Koi Nelligan getting his, his MLR debut. We thought he was gonna get it last week. He had the chance to come off the bench but then didn't. But yeah, he he got his MLR debut starting at hooker how do you think he did particularly on the throws how do you think he i thought he was pretty good i mean it's one of those where i mean our, our lineouts were a disaster but i i put that down as much to other confusion in the lineup like you know we switched a bunch of people out in at flanker and lock and we you know what kyle bailey has made a huge difference to our lineup in recent weeks and our lineout in recent weeks and and just stabilizing that being a reliable person put up in the air just being tall frankly um we put colin gross back in the lineup and he's just is not that tall for an mlr lock um he seems to handle the scrummaging bit of lock the lock position just fine but 
So I, d- I don't blame Nelligan for, for a lot of those. There so- were some of them where there was clearly miscommunication, like timing issues. There were some of them where it was um, he was maybe overthrowing it a bit because he was expecting to have to throw a tire to taller people. And there were some times where he was throwing it lower and it was getting disrupted. So, But I don't really hold that against him. I thought in open play he did pretty well. Um, I mean... So the other the other debut Tom this this time was Mike Weir coming off the bench and he also did reasonably well. Both of them though, I think you could see why they haven't played up until now. Um, they both had moments where they were, you know, I think Mike Weir was bumped off a tackle just like tossed backwards and Nelligan took a big hit where he just like got picked up and like taken right backwards and I think both of them are just missing a bit of physicality. You know, both of them could probably do with, you know, bulking up, being a, a bit bit stronger physically, just more physical on the pitch. But they'll get there. They're, you know, in their first year of a professional, like, full-time uh, training environment. So I thought it was a good debut for both of them. How about and hey, how about Danny Tusatala? Yeah, I mean the first time he's never started in yeah. a Glory DC match. Yeah, I mean if if we ignore the uh, the exhibition season, which wasn't, I mean there's only one player left from the exhibition season, uh, Jack Escaro. Interesting fact, but um, yeah, Danny has started every single match last all the the 51 matches previous, and then on the bench this time. And then he didn't even go in at scrum half because of what, you know, because of the lineup and, you know, Tito starting at 10 and then he came off at halftime. So Danny slotted in at fullback. Yeah. Like, well, and uh, John LaFever doing a great job at, at scrum half. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we've got, we've got a guy for the future there. There's, I mean, there's definitely ways in which he's not Danny Tusatala. And I, I don't know that he's going to be challenging for, for Danny's job, but I feel confident that if if danny does get injured at some point in the future hasn't happened yet in his old glory career but if he does get injured that we've got a good second option on the bench yeah we don't need john to play like danny play like play like play your game play your style right so um yeah there was a couple of things that i thought were really interesting one you know just um you can see a, a, a young maybe a little nucleus that is starting to form of some of these players right so callie martinez um Mike Ware, Koi Koi Nelligan, right? Colin Gross, four names right there. All young guys, all fresh out of college, out of American colleges, which, you know, are, you know, Callie's yeah. from, from Canada there, but all out of the, the, the young college pathway program, bringing them along, getting them meaningful minutes, certainly Colin. Um, really cool to see. And actually, that had to be a neat moment for both Colin and Koi Koi, right? College teammates at West Point now getting on the field together for Old Glory DC and a, and a big match because look if you look at across the field on the other side Houston ran out they're starting oh, yeah. fifteen I mean that was full on Houston SaberCats like they had a return of all yeah some of their they were not players. taking any chances and of course they weren't because they still hadn't locked in the playoffs they had Utah nipping at their heels and so they they really really wanted to win this and that's that's part of the other thing that, that left me somewhat impressed with this match. I mean, we were going up against what is definitely a top half of the league team. 
putting out their strongest lineup. They really wanted to win it. And our defense, like, if you look, you know, throw away the tries in the, the try. There was a try in the first 15 seconds. Throw that away. doesn't matter. Trying the, the last, like, minute or so. doesn't matter. We were playing ridiculous. Throw the ball around rugby. Um, it was broken play. It doesn't matter. Those those don't concern me. That middle core of the the match there, our defense really held up well. There were numerous times where we we didn't let them get over the game line easily, and then they would eventually knock the ball on or commit a penalty or something like that. And it was it was really hearkening back to the attitude we saw from this team early on in the the season. You know, really just putting in the hard work on defense and they weren't necessarily you know that effective at slowing down Houston or preventing them from gaining ground or anything like that but just just the persistence of the defense you can you can if you if you're persistent enough eventually they're going to make an error and they're not going to score and it was really good to see the team get back to that i think it's something that's, that's sort of fallen off as certain players have gotten injured Fairman Martinez was a, a key part of that early on, and he got injured. And it's it was nice to see the players come off the bench and the players who don't really get a whole lot of playing time and really prove that they can do that too. And that culture of good defense goes deep in the team. Yeah, I want to get to that culture question here in, in just a moment. You know, as we continue to talk about just recapping a little bit the Houston match. Defensively, yeah, I agree. I mean, outside of the first three minutes, outside of that last try for a good 60 minutes there, Old Glory DC's mostly second string, would you say, played pretty tight and pretty well against a playoff-bound Houston team now, right? So defensively, certainly, Ben don't break, getting back to those core fundamentals and the, the, what Old Glory DC was doing well earlier in the season. Offensively, though, I mean, one try, certainly a disappointing, you know, you'd love to see more, but can understand given the, 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 the changes. Again, going into this match, our expectation was, you know, there's at least one table point you can gain out of this by at least scoring four tries. Old Glory offensively is certainly capable and have done it for, for most of this season. What did you think happened there uh, offensively, just, you know, the lack of firepower or you know was it something else going on i mean houston has a good defense so it's uh, although not as good as i it's always not as good as i think it is but they do have a reasonably good defense and yeah i think it was just a firepower issue we just didn't really have a, a game breaker in there someone who could really get us on the front foot and get people offloading break up play a bit um disrupt the defensive line so it was all maybe just a little too predictable and like Houston could keep us in front of them and therefore we couldn't really do a whole lot. And I think that's just a youth thing. They're just, and partly a, a, a gelling of the team thing. I mean, you had, the back line was a bit more experienced, the starting back line, but you had players not in their usual positions. Tito was back at fly half. Marcos Young was at center. You had, you didn't have a bunch of the normal pieces that go around them. I mean, your wingers were, were sort of new. And so it, there were a lot of, there just wasn't really a lot of cohesion in the team. And I, and that's fine. Like, that's not, 
you don't expect a team to come together that quickly, especially a team that they haven't been playing together. They're coming against a, a team that has been playing together all all year, a starting lineup. I'm glad that they got seven points. I'm they could have they had another couple of opportunities to score there, and I would have loved to see them score, but. Before we, we, we move on, you know, any other like concerns? We talked about Tito's injury. It was good to see um, the captain, Jama, Jamison found on Schultz back on the field. I know he had some questions. He was unavailable the week before. What was going on there? He came in as a reserve, so certainly that was a good sign, uh, particularly as we look ahead to Atlanta in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta and then the Eastern Conference eliminator round, but outside of Tito's injury, and it didn't, I mean, he came off at halftime. Maybe that was always kind of the plan anyway. Um, given the the starting 15, but was there anything else of concern, any injuries that we should be aware of? Yeah, Marcos Young went down pretty early, and the broadcast sort of glossed over it. I don't think they they even really noticed it. Um, They didn't seem to have a great handle on our roster, but, but yeah, Marcos went down early, and he's been injured somewhat recently, so I'm really hoping that he hasn't re-aggravated something or because he's, he's such a powerful player for us. And we would really miss him in the playoffs if he's injured. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully he's he's all well and good. And we'll see what the lineup looks like for Atlanta. But I want to go back to the culture question here for just a moment, right? A pretty young starting 15 that went out there. And what the expectation maybe from the fan base going into it was that this was a game that was of importance for Old Glory DC, an opportunity to get some table points with New York right nipping on our heels. Even though there was a loss here, what do you, is this a statement? Is there something about this team that you think long-term plays well, if you're getting what I'm picking up? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm ever ever the optimist about these things, but I, I do think... You know, players can get complacent in ways that they they don't even notice, and that we as fans can't don't even notice. And so, I think it could be really good for the culture of Old Glory that the second string basically came on, and they really came with fire. They came with with passion. They they played aggressively on defense. They really worked hard to to try and score, even if they weren't quite as successful at it. And I think that attitude could really help old glory long term you know that sort of proving to the the guys who start regularly it's like no this is this is what we expect of you this is the standard you need to reach like you may be better than these players you may start over them but they also have fire and passion and if you can't match that maybe they should start over you sort of you know light the fire so to speak reignite the the passion of the the starters so I'm I'm hoping that that actually it really does deliver them a sort of boost there because when we talked to Stan South earlier in the season he talked about how it really was a, a competitive culture within Old Glory like the the starting lineup was not a fixed thing there was no oh you're the older one the more experienced one you're going to start and I'm going to be on the bench and we saw that with Colin Gross coming in from the beginning and just making himself a force proving that he he belongs and other players who are older and more experienced staying on the bench all season and so i think i'm hoping that this sort of reignites that of like yeah your your spot isn't safe you've you've got to come and earn it like 
work hard, go out there, and, and prove that you deserve to be in the starting lineup. Mm. I love that. What a, what a kick-in-the-pants message right before the regular season finale, a home match against Atlanta, a lot on the line. We'll talk about it in a bit. Right before the Eastern Conference Eliminator game, hey, whether it's hosted in, in at, at Segra Field or, or up in New York, doesn't matter. Old Glory knows who they're playing. They're playing New York. Rubber match. We, we faced them twice. We went up there, got our butts handed to us. They came down. Second half, we took it to them. So I love that message right before the playoffs. Like, hey, if you think your spot is safe, it's not. And we've got so much more to play for. So let's talk about how we got to where we are. We've done this the past few episodes. Coming out of that, that second bye, it was kind of our final stretch review, right? So I'm going to run through this quickly, right? Old Glory DC, right, coming out of that, that bye. At Dallas, they got the win. Disappointing, you know, I hate to, again, look back in anger, the old Oasis <laughs> song that I love, but I don't want to look back in anger and, and, and rue what happened in Dallas because, yes, they got the win, but they, had, they missed an opportunity to get more a bonus point win because that game was ended at halftime, right? So, unfortunately, Old Glory DC lost out on some table points there. Home against New England, they caught the loss there. I believe they got a bonus point out of that. Super quick turnaround. Toronto, three days later, four days later, they got the draw in Toronto. Maybe a missed opportunity to get some table points there had they gotten the win. Home against Seattle, loss. At NOLA, win. We identified that was the game they had to win. They did. At Houston, a loss. And now final regular season game. Home against Atlanta. Okay, AKP. <laughs> What needs to happen for Old Glory DC to lock up the two seed going into round? Yeah, well, not getting any bonus points really hurt us on this one. And so we're going to need to beat Atlanta with a bonus point. That, that obviously, we right now we're in the third spot. If we want to get up to the second spot, bonus point win is necessary. And then we're also going to need New York to lose without any bonus points. Because they're four points ahead of us right now, so if we if they get a bonus point, they'll and we get a bonus point win, we'll be tied, and they have the tiebreaker right now. So, which I think is total number of wins. So they, we really need Utah to take it to them, keep them under four tries, and keep them, and win by more than seven points. As much as I got to imagine, Utah is really peeved that they I mean I hate to say it, they blew their their playoff chances last week when they lost at home to Chicago a team they should have beat a team that only had one win Utah normally plays pretty well at home I gotta imagine they are peeved right because if they're looking at the standings they're like hey we're a nine win team here and we're gonna miss the playoffs we have an opportunity to win 10 games double digit wins and miss the playoffs I think they have so much to play for they want to prove to other people like hey we're a, a solid team we just for whatever reason, the Western Conference is, is pretty top-heavy right now, right? So I don't think they're just going to lay down for New York at the same time. And I love watching the Utah Warriors play rugby because it is so much fun. It's back and forth. My concern is in that Utah game, they may win that. They may win big, but I don't know if they're going to hold New York to less than four tries. And that's what makes me a little bit, a little bit nervous. I could see Utah trying to run them out of the, the building, drop 50 on them maybe, but also give up 30-some points. So the odds of Old Glory DC getting that two-speed and hosting the Eastern Conference limited round, 
I don't know. I mean, that's why we play 80 minutes. And we got to control what we can control, and that is first getting that bonus point win against Atlanta. So AKP, this Atlanta team, five wins, nine losses. They're fifth in the East. They're done. They're eliminated. How do we beat this team? And also, what is the focus for this game? Because we know who our opponent will be in the Eastern Conference Eliminator game. So should we focus on Atlanta? Does it matter? Should we be focusing most of our attention on New York? Am I getting ahead of myself? Like, what should the focus here? And how do we beat Atlanta, first of all? So step one to beating Atlanta is that we need to put together a lineup that is not <laughs> essentially a B team. <laughs> that that would be a great start. I agree. And, and honestly, I step expect one. them to do that. I mean, we, we took a... Yeah. a match off against Houston. We we essentially traded a victory in Houston or a good performance in Houston for resting our players and getting some other guys some time and we're but we're now at the the last game before the playoffs and if we want to get our team in good shape, we want to get the starters to you know back into their proper positions. We want to figure out that lineup and get everyone gelled together again this is the match to do it in so i expect we'll see something much much closer to the lineups before before the uh the houston match and then we really just need to you know bring bring the fire on defense be patient um just just put in the work make the tackles and let them eventually beat themselves and then, you know, avoid giving them easy opportunities to score and avoid letting them make long breaks that that really undo a lot of the work that we've done. And then we also, on attack, just need to take our chances. Just just find that, that energy again. Um, you know, put our playmakers in space and just go for it. I agree. I, but again... You know, I, I got a question. <laughs> Knowing that we're going to be facing, Oak Glory DC is going to be facing New York in the playoffs. This game, if the odds don't look good for us to, to host, okay, that's fine. Should we be focusing our attention on New York? Isn't that the more important I mean, game? Yeah, arguably, yeah. And if we, because win or lose here, it, it, it doesn't really matter to whether we're making the playoffs. I mean, I think they're going to want to win in front of a home crowd, but if we're focusing on New York more then what you might see is an increased emphasis on really shutting down the, the outside edges. Cause New York has a lot of hard runners on the, the wings who love to go one-on-one against opposing winner wingers, you know, um, Ed Fido and Andrew Coe's at fullback now a lot, I think. And so we'll, we'll see them. Yeah. yeah harder. Hard scored a couple so big we'll, we'll see York. them yeah. put an emphasis on on how quickly they're getting sliding over to support the wingers on defense and we'll probably also see on attack them put a real emphasis on defending the the rock because that's something new york is really good at is counter rucking and stealing the ball that way so getting the ruck set quickly getting a couple of people in there so that they can fend off a, a counter ruck um, if you see those the team emphasizing those things then yeah they're probably preparing more for new york than they are for atlanta interesting certainly going to be looking out uh for that and i agree with you i know i'd like to get ahead of myself um but the focus right should be getting a win 
at home in front of the home crowd. Positive momentum going into the the playoffs. Beating Atlanta, getting the bonus point win, getting the bonus point win, controlling what you control is probably the easiest thing. And let the crazy fans figure out all the different stuff that <laughs> they should do. So, AKP, I got to ask you. Uh, your model's been pretty successful all season long. Before you have the model give the score prediction, and then we go through our predictions for the game, give us real quickly what the success rate has been for your model in picking MLR games it's this season. It's somewhere a little over 80%, and it's been hovering above 80% basically all season, and that's that's pretty unusual. It's It's been a surprisingly predictable MLR season for the model. Yeah, I should be using that for all my bets instead of my barely over 65% win percentage, which I don't think that covers the VIG if there's any odds makers out there, but that's okay. Give us give us what the model says is going to happen here in this DC. So event. the model has DC by five points, which is, is pretty good. Hmm. And a lot of that's going to be home advantage. Okay. Um, I think it also thinks we're slightly better than Atlanta as well. Although it's the... The Houston match is weighing on us. That was not a great... Perf- the model can't tell, doesn't take into account lineups, so it just sees DC losing pretty badly in Houston. And, um, But hey. All right. Give me, give me I personally think it'll be a, a bit bigger. I think DC is going to really gel together, really take it to Atlanta. I think the home crowd's going to be invigorating. Atlanta's now officially out of the... The playoffs, I think. I think they, they may even field a fairly young lineup, get some of their new guys some time. I don't think they've got a lot to play for anymore, and so I expect it to be, let's say, DC by twelve. Twelve, love it. AKP, I'm gonna ride with you on this one. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna match. We're gonna have the same. Uh, same prediction here. I'm going Old Glory DC by 12 as well. Double-digit win, bonus point win, putting the pressure on New York, rooting on the Utah Warriors, which um, that's my second favorite team. I'll just say it. So I'm right there with you. DC by 12 to beat Rugby ATL. So, AKP, let's talk about the rest of Round 18. We mentioned that you know big matches with DC and Atlanta, playoff you know, seeding on the line there. But there's other big games going on in, in, in round 18 that have some interesting, um, could have some interesting results here. One would simply be uh, San Diego. Hey, they're going for their 13th straight win. Should they win, they would also have 15 regular season wins, which would be a new MLR record. And you also have Dallas and Chicago, both two team, both teams with two wins. You'd love to see one of them get a third win. Could there be a draw on this one? Let's find out. Let's give our quick fire picks for round 18 of MLR. And it starts in Dallas. Again, Dallas, two wins hosting Chicago, two wins Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. AKP, what does the model say? And then give me your prediction. So the model has Dallas by three points. It thinks Chicago is slightly better, but then it thinks, but Dallas is at home. And so, bit of home field advantage there for Dallas, and that puts them ahead by three points. Personally, I really don't know which way to go on this one. I feel like Dallas has been the more consistently dangerous team over the, the last however many weeks, but then Chicago, I mean, that 
that upset of Utah that it was beautiful. And so it just, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, yeah, I'm going to take a tie. I think, I think they end up dead even. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love the draw there. I know you're a big fan of the draw. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this one, I think it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a fun, chippy one. Both these teams like to chirp a little bit. Both teams are going to want to end the season on a a win. I think this is going to come down to uh, the last play. I think Chicago pulls this one out. I think Chicago maybe by three. That's my prediction. Chicago by three. The next match, of course, D.C. versus Atlanta, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. We both are going to say D.C. by 12. The third one on Saturday night, Toronto Arrows at home versus Nola Gold. That's a Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. AKP, give me the model's prediction. The model has Toronto over Nola by six points because it thinks they're both pretty bad and, and therefore Toronto at home. And frankly, for my money, I feel like Nola's been the better team over the course of the season. But Toronto's at home. Why not? I'll take Toronto by three. They really could go either way. Yeah, I really feel for Toronto. If you just look over the last few seasons, just everything that's going on with them from you know having to share Atlanta. You know, every year they have to start on the road for eight, six, seven straight games. You know, if you read MLR Reddit, there's doom and gloom up there in Toronto that, you know, I think MLR is better if there was a strong Canadian team. Um, And again, of course, got to cheer for our favorite Canadians and Kyle Bailey and Doug Frazier. So I'm going to like the Arrows to win this one at home. I think they'll win this one. And probably kind of an ugly match, but I'm going to go Toronto by three. All right, Sunday afternoon, three matches starting with the New England hosting the Houston Sabercats. Doesn't matter. Either team doesn't need to trot out. They're starting 15, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But AKP, give me the model's prediction on this one. The model has New England by 12 points because the model thinks that New England is the best team ever in Major League Rugby history, aside from New England a week or two ago, who were slightly better. I personally, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, part of my brain refuses to accept that New England is good because they look so messy when they're playing. They're, you know, when LA used to, to play rugby, used to be like, wow, how does anyone hang with these guys? But New England... You're like, how does nobody beat these guys? But nobody beats them. So, you know, New England by, I don't know, 15 or whatever. That's so funny. That's such a good way to describe, like, New England sports and, like, the, the, the franchises and the fan base. It's definitely a scrappy. It definitely reflects the, the spirit, I guess, if you will, of the New England, New England sports fans. But, uh, yeah, in my mind, as we saw with... Seattle and other games, New England, you know, they'll mix up their starters and their reserves, and it, there's not a huge drop-off. They play so well defensively. I just can't see Houston outscoring New England in, in this one. And Houston's probably like, whatever, we've got a big match next round against Seattle where we got to go up there and, and face them. That I think New England wins this one, and yeah, double digits. New England, sure, I'll go with you, 12. Did you I say 12? 15. 
The model said I'll go 12. With you. New England the model by said 12, so you're in good hands there okay. if you go with 12. I'm going 15, for the record. Um, all right. Um, we'll go in order. New York then hosts the Utah Warriors Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. AKP, what does so the model The model, model say? has New York by six. Again, it thinks the teams are basically even, but home advantage sends it over to New York. And it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because New York still has home advantage to play for, and Utah has nothing to play for except pride. But at the same time, Utah's a fun team that score a lot of points. I could see them coming away with an upset. But at the same time, New York is really gelling right now. They seem to be... They know, they know who they are as a team. They know what their their strengths and weaknesses are, and they play really well to them. And they really seem to be peaking right at playoff time. So I think New York wins. I think it's a close one, but New York wins by three points or something. So all New York needs to, to get the two seed is just to get one table yeah. point? Is that right? Right. So four tries, essentially. Yeah which they're more than capable of doing. Say Old Glory gets the bonus point win. New York just gets one table point. They both end the season with, what, 43 table Sounds points? right. Let me take a quick look here uh, at that. Yeah, they would both end with 43 table points, and New York would have the tiebreaker. Ultimately, I think that's what's probably going to happen here. I think New York realizes, hey, we just need to get one table point. Let's score our four tries and let's get out of here type thing. And then certainly they're going to give a good game to Utah. I think Utah really wants to gun for that 10th that win of the season. That I think Utah wins this one. I think they win by eight. And I think, unfortunately, New York does get that one table point And they get the two seed. Old Glory gets the three seed. And Old Glory goes up to New York to take on... New York up there, Utah by eight. New York gets a bonus point. I think that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. But that's it. That's okay. You know what? Old Glory's been underdogs and counted out yep. and, and dogged on by everyone this all season long. That okay? We just Old Glory's got to go up to New York. And this is the trade and, we made and win there. This is this is yep. The coaches decided to to take this path, and best we can do is is trust that they made a good decision. More on next week's episode in just a moment, but let's get through the rest of the quick fire picks for round 18. The last one, the finale for the regular season, San Diego at home hosting the Seattle Seawolves. That's a Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Thank goodness it's not a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, so I can go to bed at a decent time on Sunday night. AKP, will the San Diego Legion win their, what, 13th straight and end the season with 15 wins? Or will the, C- will the Seattle Seawolves beat San Diego? What does the model say first? And then so the model has San Diego getting that that record historic win, but by winning by four, and again home advantage. The, actually, this entire this entire week, you've got teams that are really really close in terms of what the model thinks they're, in terms of how good the model thinks they are, and it's just home advantage for one team or another. So personally, I think there's a decent chance that Seattle wins this. I think it's going to be a close scrappy game. Like these two teams have history and they're going to want to feel each other out for when they potentially play in the conference finals, assuming Seattle can get past Houston. 
I think there's... I don't think San Diego's going to want to rest anyone, though. Seattle might want to rest some players because they're going to have the Eliminator game and then the Conference Finals and then potentially the, the League Finals. So they've got... Whereas San Diego's going to have a bye week, their, their players are going to get rest anyway. So I'm going to take San Diego in this by maybe six points. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I, I definitely think San Diego-Seattle, I think it's the best rivalry in MLR right now. There's a, a real back and forth, big games between them. You mentioned last year, Seattle ran through it last year on, on the run to, to, to getting to the MLR final that the courts came up short against New York. Seattle, what concerns me again is some of the injuries that they've had. Herps, their lock, I think he's done. Um, it was good to see AJ Alatimu back out there. I'm not sure what's going on with Jordan Chait. Um, not sure if Reichert Hatting will be available. I know they want to have him back. He could be back, you know, ultimately if I'm Seattle and if he's not ready yet, hope sit him. If he's okay, maybe you put him on the match day 23. You get a couple minutes before they hit face Houston next week. I think San Diego. I think San Diego wants that keep that streak going. I think they want to prove to everyone that no matter who they trot out there, and they've got some good reserves that they're going to win, and they're not just going to, you know, lay down. Not the position that they would. I think San Diego wins this one. I think they close out the season on a win, and then they've got a, a week of rest before they then host the Eastern Conference Finals, their opponent, TBD. I think San Diego wins this one. I think it could be close, because I think Seattle wants to give them, a, give them a run and say, hey, look, we're coming for you too. We were literally right behind you. You may have had a 12-13 game win streak, but it took you all season to lock up the number one seed in the Western Conference. So I think this could be close. San Diego by five. So... AKP, that is round 18. That is the full regular season. And if I can just harken back to when we first started doing this at the beginning of the season, we were talking about an old glory DC who last year won three games. They've doubled that. They have a chance to go for seven here. But they're in the playoffs. Night and day difference, right? And we've, we've got some exciting stuff planned for next week for the big old glory DC playoff preview. But AKP. I want to give the mic over to you. Close us out, my man, on the final thoughts of this episode as Old Glory faces Atlanta, but is peeking over the horizon to that New York match in the playoffs yeah. next weekend. The the second string players, the guys who don't get that much spotlight time, really took it to Houston, came with fire, proved their passion, and now it's time for the the starters to pick up that torch and keep running with it love it pick up that torch keep running with it for alistair kirschpool i am john fitzpatrick you've been listening to the glorious rugby podcast next week we're talking playoffs let's go